0: Hello, and welcome back to the 75th Ranger Regiment IT Innovators podcast. Today's interview is with the Network Cross-Functional Team Deputy Director, Colonel Robert Ryan, and CW5, Chris Westbrook. Colonel Ryan is an infantry officer and former Ranger Special Troops Battalion Commander. CW5 Westbrook is a career signal warrant and the head of market research for the Network Cross-Functional Team. This episode offers a unique perspective of a career infantryman's experience working in IT innovation. Thank you for listening. Rangers Lead the Way.
1: At dawn on the morning of the 6th of June, 1944, 225 Rangers ran to the bottom of these cliffs, and the American Rangers began to climb. Today, we have done what we had to do. If necessary, we shall do it again. He counted on America to be passive. He counted wrong.
2: Colonel Ryan, Chief Westbrook, thanks for being on the podcast today.
3: Well, thanks for the opportunity. We look forward to, to having a discussion.
1: Thank you.
2: Colonel Ryan, from, from your background of being a career entry officer, spending time in the Ranger Regiment, and now on the network CFT side, you have a very unique perspective on communications and, and kind of how the Signal Regiment is advancing. Can you just start off and, and talk about that?
3: Well, I, I'll look at it a little bit differently. You know, I will, you know what, what, what's the future fight? Um, so let's start there, and then I'll talk about kind of the infantry role to there. Right? You know, the, the so-called democratization of technology has diminished, really the monopoly of advanced countries and the tools of war. So how we fight the next war, and, and not the current wars, we fight small wars, is dependent on our ability to bridge technologies at a scalable piece that enable our forces to be more successful in the battlefield. We increase our ability to both do all the senses, see, feel, fight, and, and, and connect to the populace that we're, that we're trying to support. So I think that's a critical point right now as we move forward over.
2: No, that's 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 definitely applicable and and your your background is is not only the RSTB battalion commander but also a, a former 25th ID brigade commander so w- would you say knowing what you know now your guidance to your formations would it have changed knowing what you know now on communications
3: um you know I, you know what have you learned and I, I think that's that's the you go back to everybody wants to be part of a learning organization where you got to be before you're you know, an organization that learns, you've got to be an individual that learns. And I and I think one of the things you have to do is go back is how do you prepare your people that you're in charge of for the unpredictable? And by by, by doing that, you leverage a couple things, right? The uncertainty of what the problem may be, and leverage that technology. So the ability to have an open bridge communications with both your, your EW team, your, your air team and your and your and your communications team is critical in setting the condition for success. Now, that's the biggest thing that I, I, I kind of took into brigade command that I, I learned through the reg- my experience in regiment. But it's also one of those things you need that feedback because hopefully that technology is changing and ebbing and flowing uh, to where we can execute different things. The best part about, I think, King and, and, and where you guys were at in the 75th is as we leave the 75th and go to the Army, you're exposed to both legacy and new equipment. And your ability to bridge those systems and best of breed, if you will, is critical in understanding the environment you're going to fight in.
0: Sir, there, there's many signal officers that work for infantry commanders. Uh, for, for the next generation of officers that are digital natives, and you know, technology comes more intuitive to them uh, than previous generations, how should they best prepare to enable multi-domain operations for their commanders?
3: One is, I think you, you look at fundamentals, and I think in the, you look at the soft perspective. And even as a digital native, what are the fundamentals? And I think that the digital natives are really good at users. But are they really good at beyond interface activities? And I think that's where you gotta look at the expertise when you when you're when you when you have you know a new S6 and you're walking in your battalion and you got a young 26, 27 year old S6 that has done some of the things at platoon level and you're looking at, hey man, this is about a system of systems approach. So being a great user is one thing, but understanding system of system approaches and how to allow our system to bridge tactical to operation communications is a critical point that I think that Young, you know, lieutenants that are promotable that are sitting in those positions as battalion sixes are are essential in setting the conditions for those digital natives to be successful.
2: Speaking of the the lieutenants and really for those that are possibly in embolic, branching material, it doesn't matter, uh and, and then potentially those in the career course, what what are some some guidance to, to that to those in the career course? What what would you have for guidance? Uh, as they progress and what you've seen from the network CFT, what is coming uh, down the pipe and, and what can they do to prepare?
3: Well, I, I think the key part is what you know will only get you so far. Um, you, you, you've got a level of experience when you come out of the career course, but, but, it's, but it's, it's really nascent. As you walk into the battalion you walk into to an, to an assistant brigade position is, is how does that formation fit in the fight? What tools are really, do they have in the toolkit and how sharp are those tools? So if, if, if they're still using some legacy items with WinT and other things or, or current items that are in the inventory, do they understand those systems? And can they get the most out of those systems to enhance the communication architecture? Two is, I think is an important thing, is as we, as we bring new technologies in, what is the right technology at the right time to enhance your communication capability? And I think a lot of people get wrapped around these new shiny objects. They want to get the shiny object, and it necessarily doesn't fit within your architecture. And sometimes I think some of the newness is those young officers want it to fit, really believe that it can fit, but the timing's not right. So you have to understand with that technology is, is it right, does it fit, and does it truly enhance my capability, or does it detract from my capability?
0: Sir, I absolutely agree that that timing matters, and um, as as a a young signal officer, I, I still, to this day, want to implement things that I see as cutting edge into systems that might not be ready. Um, how, how does the network cross-functional team uh, work to time modernization efforts and implementing new technology uh, with the, the right organization unit or size of unit um, in a way that doesn't burden them because there's technical debt that they have to pay down to, to learn that new skill? And if there is that sort of debt, does the network cross-functional team participate in training or upskilling those units with the new tech that's coming?
3: So I'm going to break this down a little bit, OK? How are we approaching this? And I'm going to break it down, and I'm going to use Chief Westbrook as my lifeline here. Um, you know, we have the two-year capability sets that we've kind of laid out, capability set 21, 23, 25, and, and beyond. Um, are we necessarily going to stay married to that 24-month cycle? I, I think we're going to try our best to stay married to it. If we don't deliver, because technology is not ready, I think we have to be, you know, part of the ability to be a good leader is to say no sometimes, and it's just not ready. I tell you that because as we look at, you know, we're in, we're, we're delivering 21 now. Really, the decision factor on who gets what goes to G357 of the Army. That's that's not our decision. The that, that program that the Army leverages. I mean, we are in deep partnership, and I and I say this because I just got off the phone with PMTR, which is. Um, which is uh, tactical radios, and we're just discussing because I'm headed down to uh, Fort Bragg to do the uh, Soldier Touchpoint next week from Yuma, um, is a critical piece of how they do that map, how units receive that map. And as you guys have experienced, Tim and, and, and James, there's never a great time. There's just time to do that and you know, Sometimes we have a tendency not to hit that right at the right time. When we first set up, when we developed the Cape sets, I'm going to walk back a little bit. We looked at simple ways to get after, it. you know, capability set 21 was expeditionary and intuitive. Can we get something out to for the force that we can leverage digital native user know-how, you know, ATAC system, end user device, just things that we can get out that we know that could increase awareness and develop better tactical understanding. Capability set 23, how do we get stuff? With capacity and resiliency, can we thicken that network? Can we actually pass a little bit more on bandwidth? How do we do bandwidth management? How do we get after you know the mobility piece of our army? As we look at for all of us that thought we were light infantry, after 9-11, we kind of became, you know, a wheeled vehicle force as an army. How do we how do we improve our ability to communicate after that? I'm gonna pass it to Chief Westbrook to see if he wants to add anything.
1: Yeah, we, when we take a look at these technologies that are, that are maturing and, and, and coming to fruition, and kind of make sure that they fit in the program that makes perfect sense. Uh, we also have to be realistic that sometimes our vision of the future does not pan out. Uh, commercial product may not scale to our, our capability, may be in a band which we're not going to be able to use uh, when it comes to the frequency spectrum. Uh, and then in, in case of capacity and resiliency, you know, we're looking at things that, uh, that are potentially undetectable. Such as you know free space optics and millimeter wave now of course they bring their own set of troubles but that goes back to the planning uh, that comes on the signal officers and war officers and lieutenants and, and captains and majors all have to take into consideration the proper time to plan uh, the networks and do ttp development with their leaders to understand that if i disperse my command post to like six or seven different nodes connected by millimeter wave i can't have bushes and trees between us uh, that's just the, the nature of the piece of millimeter wave it barely passes through skin and walls so uh, we have to, as as leaders, express these concerns. As we do that, uh, that planning with the entire uh, command and staff. We can't just allow them to, to run run over us and, and demand that it work this way when, in actuality, we're setting ourselves up for failure. To
3: to end that, uh, James and Tim, I'll, I'll kind of hit you know 25 and, and and really 27 is. You know, we're we're focused on 25 automated and protected uh, capability set, and then really the multi game domain piece for 27. And we've kind of nested, are we lockstep with that? And and it kind of goes back in, those maturities of some of the technologies are not gonna be scalable for what we need for the force. One, two is it may be cost ineffective, but it doesn't mean that we're not gonna still pursue the technology. It may just be at a scale where we leverage, maybe someone within SOCOM or USASOC to leverage that capability. So as it ripens, if you will, and, and as we can manage the ability to work the cost differential, we can build that into a future set, or we can pull that technology from somewhere else uh, because more competitors will get after that technology and we can exploit the, exploit the price to get it out to the force. Over.
2: Would you say that the leveraging industry, is that, is that really the secret sauce in this, or do you see uh, the guts and the military solutions also uh, coming into its own?
3: Well there's a combination of two and it's great I've got Chris here again because he just did he just did our technical exchange meeting with industry. I will tell you as I sit out a project convergence 20 one of the best things we have is a relationship with industry right now through C3T through PM Soldier you know I, I had a call one of uh, one of the radio vendors the other day and they sent a team out here within 12 hours and allowed us to, to work a backhaul system for exactly what we're trying to get after our relationship we ha- we have to develop a transparency with them but our relationship is better than
1: I've seen it I'll let uh, Chris follow up yeah GOTS is, is awesome because we own it and, and we own that electric property but sometimes we can't own it all uh, and so we're, we're trying to go out to those open architectures those open standards that way competition is a lot more out there because once somebody starts making a widget based on open standards, other people are going to do the same, uh, so they can you know taste that pie. Uh, things like creatives have been we've been leveraging the heck out of creatives. That's how we get these radio vendors to send. Uh, reps I'm sorry out. Can,
2: can you can you explain CRETA?
1: Sure. Uh, the creative is a cooperative research and development agreement that industry does uh, with with the government, and, and essentially what the creatives are is uh, they both work together at no cost towards a common goal. Uh, in the case of, say, a radio vendor, we provide them with some threat-based uh, research uh, and then use that to help shape their product to where it is now more resilient against that specified threat. As we get come together in agreement, uh, we bring them into the secure facility and provide that information. It also, the, the company gives back by not only better, making their product better, but in cases like uh, Project Convergence, you know, they'll come out here and, and make it a success for everybody.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and, and Project Convergence. For this year, and then we Project Convergence 21, and that it's going to continue. Can you kind of describe the themes for the next three years of that that exercise?
3: Well, it's going to first the first part of the Project Convergence. I think under AFC General Murray's leadership is going to be the scalability piece. You know, if you look at it right now, it's really tactical edge, uh, and it's some air to ground that we're trying to work. Next year, they'll bring in uh, they, they have a division command post and some other things, so we'll grow this over time. You know, the thing that I don't want to throw out there, because a lot of listeners will get get wrapped around it, because we see a lot of leaders get wrapped around it, is the technologies. People throw out the terms AI, they throw out the term machine learning, they they throw out these terms with 5G. And, and, And I always go back to what capability do you need? Don't throw out the bumper sticker of what the technology is. I need to know the capability of what you need. Hey, sir, I need I need better I need mess I need better gateways. I need better transport mechanisms. I need this. Tell me the capability and allow us to look at that and then leverage those things that Chris just talked about with the craters and other things. Because you know, from from DARPA and other research places, we can leverage a ton of intellectual energy to include our, our relationship with the educational institutions to figure out best processes. But don't and and, and I say this and I couldn't say it enough is don't get wrapped around the word of the shiny object man get it wrapped around the capability that you desire that we can get after that capability
1: so the, the key here is to understand what exactly is the human process you're just trying to automate uh, and make better uh, through the use of, of tools such as ai ml whatever technology it ends up being and without that clear to sight you know business analysis uh, you're going to end up with a convoluted uh, problem set a uh, problem solving for that's not going to go after the problem set that you want it to attack Uh, So, And then understanding that we have to field this to the entire army. uh, We have to have a baseline of algorithms and and, and data in order to to move forward and have something fieldable because we're not going to be able to put data scientists at the tactical edge for everybody because we're not allowed to grow. Uh, Unless we take away from somewhere else, which I don't think is advisable right now. Uh, So before we go out and say, hey, I need some of that AI, I need some of that ML, I need some of that 5G. Well, what are the constraints of what, what you currently have? And then what is the task that you want the system to do? Over
2: and understand that that point but for let's say a commander who doesn't really know what the menu of options are possibly they they're looking for ways to go back up for the commander that doesn't know what the menu of options are and i understand you've got to have a requirement before you can implement a solution but but what does network cft do for that menu of options and what can you provide uh for the commanders
3: this is this Colonel Ryan, just, you know, my, my, my thoughts with that are, are twofold, Tim, is one is, you know, how do we get commanders to, to think logically and, and, and act rationally? Um, and, I, and I say that because when you throw new stuff out there, there's a lot of people that think that it automatically increases capability, uh, especially when it comes to technology. Uh, one of the things that I look at is if, if you approach it in a logical manner and then you look at how to best leverage the capability you're putting in there, what does it provide me? And, and when you say me, the force. Uh, what does it provide my unit? How does it create situational, increase situational awareness? And I always think the bridge that you're trying to get to is, how do I get edge compute to assist situational awareness and build situational understanding? And I, and I kind of go back, and that's an, a critical piece, as we look at edge compute technologies and how we can enhance the warfighter, but more importantly, that company commander at the edge. Chris?
1: The, most, the, key, the key part here is to, to involve the warfighter early, uh, to make sure that we're not just giving them kit. And, and then walking away. Uh, we need to understand the, the use cases from their perspective on how we employ this, so that way we can make the manuals, we can make the threads as we do the net-nefs, uh, and, and, and as we, we do the different experimentations and sort of the touch point, uh, we, we refine that better. Uh, there's never been a true FM on how to operate a thing, but there's been a true FM on how to conduct yourselves in war uh, using things. So it it's just all gets back down to that repetition. Uh, Getting to the sort of touch points to make things more relevant because if you have a relevant piece of kit, it it remains the irrelevant piece of kit, it remains in the conics. And that's the last thing we want to do is spend a couple million dollars getting you some kit that's going to end up in the conics because nobody understands it or it is not useful.
2: Hey, hey Chief,
0: that that absolutely makes sense. And, um, you know, we've talked a lot on, on different podcast interviews this season about needing to design capabilities that are empathetic to the end user. And intuitive to the end user, so that they get utilized. Uh, as far as feedback mechanisms, um, I, I know that you just mentioned exercises. Are, th- are there other ways for uh, individuals to participate and provide feedback to the network cross-functional team as they get fielded equipment? Good
3: one. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I think there are. Um, I, I think that you know, you, you look at us coming down and. Now, I looked at coming down to the MLAD and visiting you guys. What are you doing? What p- parts of the equipment that, that make up maybe a cape set do you have? What are you doing differently in its application of that technology in order to increase your situational understanding and awareness? So as you look at, you know, our, the traditional solution is we forecast an exercise like where I'm at right now with Project Convergence 20, or you have a standard kind of soldier touch point like we're doing with 182 next week is there's these little things in between that I think are critical. You look at our relationship now with with you guys, James and Tim, and how we've developed this relationship with USASOC, and how and what we can do to create an understanding of what's out there, because the solution is going to be made up, I think, of programs of record, or POR items, and COTS items. And I think leveraging the ability for other people to see COTS items maybe a little bit differently than we are, so we can bridge a a level of understanding and technology is critical uh, and that's that user feedback. Everybody calls it user feedback. I also go, there's also leader feedback that needs to go back and forth to develop that situational understanding of technology itself. Chris?
1: Yeah, so we, uh, we do recognize that General Gallagher does uh, some time with his single captain career course to give them a little bit of a primer on what it is we do and understanding what's coming. Uh, I have uh, a series of forums that are going to start in October with the warrant officer community where we're going to be discussing the modernization as over time uh, so they remain informed. Uh, and I do know that we have a great challenge out there. Nobody likes to use MillSuite, and that would be a perfect place to post and hang information and have chat windows and all that. But it doesn't really enable our compo two and three people because they don't always have access to .dot. Mill or the, the use of their a CAC through, a, a, say, a smart device. They have to be at the office in order to use it, a CAC reader. So it's a big challenge. People are using Facebook, and, and, and that's pro- not the, the way it should go. Microsoft Teams has been a, a boon to us to allow us to have a little bit more. Uh, collaboration. So potentially, set you know, set up a network CFT page. You know, to it's like hang your hang your good ideas here, or hang your comments here, or uh, your RFIs here, or your calls for help here.
0: Absolutely, and, and um, we we've been using Teams a lot. It's a, it's been a great way to build communities for us, and, and uh, we've we've especially enjoyed the the CVR version of it that allows us to talk with people outside of SoCOM. Uh, we have our internal ways of communicating, generally Skype. But um, this it's opened up a lot of channels and uh, easier ways to communicate that we didn't have access to before.
2: To include your office, so I absolutely concur with that, Chief. Uh, gentlemen, from from your perspectives, what are the biggest challenges that you face as a network CFT? Additionally, how how do you see the Signal Regiment performing? You know, in the past in the past, and then where, where are you guys looking to take the, uh, the, the entire army is in terms of communications?
3: I'll, I'll throw out there, you know, there's a fear with technology and the weapons it spawns. It kind of seduces; us. We get addicted to technology. It's part of our everyday life. Yeah. And, and I kind of go back and it can build a hubris, right? I mean, you know, I have this thus I'm better than the other guy. I, I always kind of come back down to the fundamentals of, of how you leverage your technology to get the outcome that you want. Um, technology does make you better but it doesn't make you the best in the battlefield. It's how you leverage and use that technology. So those young S6s as are coming up is, hey, it, it, am I using this fully to the capacity that it, that it can, can deliver to me? And we, all, we all know this. You, you can buy a, you know a, a fancy car for a lot of money that can go really fast, but the speed limit's the speed limit. And I kind of come out as, how do you get technology onto the battlefield, and can it allow you to operate at the optimum speed that you're capable of operating at? Just because you have 5G, does it mean you can operate at 5G as a force if you're not trained up to that point. So there, there's a caution with technology. How do how do we approach this as a network CFT is? I think what we, you know, I always, talk, you know, it's kind of a careful hurry, hurry infantryman piece. And when I get to the target, man, I'm not going to sprint because you can't sprint and shoot, but I'm going to be at a careful hurry. How do we say technology? How do we build it into the force? And maybe the best part about the cost of technology right now is as we slowly build this into the process of, adding technology to the communications architecture of our force is we're doing it a stair-step or crawl-to-walk methodology to allow us to fully grasp it and develop an understanding with our digital natives but also with those that are bridging and moving around our force because one thing that's constant in the army is change so you can be in one unit that maybe has legacy items and two years later you're in a unit that has capeset 21 or 23. How do we bridge that and how do we make that best operate? You talked earlier about component one, two, and three. So, both our active, our, our guard, our active, our guard, reserve components is how do we see fielding that? How can we best make them most capable? Because a lot of our CSS elements are, rely in, in, in our component two and three elements that allow the component, the active component, to do their job. I think that's a critical piece as we look at it is how we see fielding this. The other part that we haven't talked about is. We've been focused on fielding to maneuver elements. It's sexy, it's it's kind of what sells, you know, this infantry battalion, this brigade can go do this. You know, we gotta look at echelons You know, above brigade. We gotta look at echelons other than the maneuver force in order to, to comprehend that ability because I can have all the technology I want at the edge, but if I can't support or supply the edge capable element, then, then, then it's a lot of technology that's not getting a lot of use. Um, because I, there, there's a couple parts there with our with our battlefield operating systems that we got to keep within our within the scope of our fielding as we move forward. So as we look at it, there's twofold that I think are challenges. One is how do we sustain it and work with CECOM to make sure as we get Cape sets out, we have the right sustainment backbone. We've been working with CECOM directly, and then two is as we look at getting to the fielded force and maneuver force, is how do we see it doing it to to the other brigades that are out there that enhance our capability? Chris,
1: you said a lot. I know. Yeah, well, I'd like to just kind of flip back a little bit and say that one <laughs> the of mo- the most important things we need to do uh, as signalers is, is get back to training. And I'm not talking about training when we go out to the warfighter. I'm talking about training uh, as signal teams. Uh, that way, we become more proficient and we, uh, we understand our craft a lot better. We understand the limits of our equipment, how far we can take it. Uh, we can understand better how to plan the technologies, uh, work with our freak managers, so forth, our commsic managers to be able to get things uh, done more proficiently and efficiently. Uh, that way, when we do go out and, and execute, we're able to enable the force to do their training. Because uh, right now, we're not training. We're providing. We're constantly providing. We need to get out of that habit and get back in the habit of doing our own net ops training, doing our own signal teams training. Remember the little crew drills we used to do back in the old day where you get certified? Uh, kind of similar to the, the uh, having a signal master gun or certify your teams. Some divisions have already started doing that. I know Fort Stewart started doing that uh, a couple years back, and has had some you know pretty good levels of success with that. We need to make that a habit as signal leaders to get those TPU charts out and, and start evaluating our teams.
0: One of the gentlemen, one of the, the complexities that, that um or oh, we cut that Gentlemen, one of one of the challenges that, that has emerged in the in the last five five to six years now is is the uh, the introduction of signal and cyber operating in cyberspace. Uh, you know they they both they both have a a, a role to play. Um, how do you see the difference, or what what do you see as the difference between the signal and cyber branch, and and um, and how do you see them both enabling the commander in the the battlefield of the future?
1: Want to go first? Or... Sure, sure. So it, it, it's easy to, just to, to to look between the two. One, one signal is a provider of the comms. Uh, they also have the first line of defense uh, against cyber attacks. Uh, now cyber is a little bit different. They are the ones who maneuver within cyberspace. I know we used to have a new chief, uh, former chief staff of the army used to say, we don't maneuver in cyberspace, but we do. And and so we have one part of the team that is actually uh, providing the effects on the enemy in cyberspace. And then we have the other, which is uh, focused on defense from those advanced persistent threats, those nation state or prime uh, non-state net, those organized non-state actors that are that are you pinging and ponging and, and trying to exploit us. Uh, they're, they're out there, you know, swatting away uh, all, all the missiles coming in. They're, they're providing the Iron Dome for us. Uh, so that's the two different parts of cyber. Uh, so they are completely different if you really take a look at it, but they have to work in concert uh, because think about it, cyber is also absorbed electronic warfare. So if they're blocking our signals, we can't communicate. If cybers turn the wrenches too tightly and they close the pliers in on our pipes and we're not able to, to, to transmit out, we can't get the message through.
3: Uh, I think one of the things that and I'll, and I'll talk from the infantry aspect of that I, I actually sat down with the, when, uh, General Nakasomi a couple of years ago as a brigade commander, and I came up and spoke with his team, because um, we leveraged some of the cyber capability as a brigade. And My, my first thing is when the cyber guys showed up, because they weren't an inherent part of the brigade, is sit them at the head table. You've got to make them part of the head table. You've got to allow that. And then develop a relationship between your six and the cyber capabilities so there's a mutual understanding of, of who's got what lane and how they can be supportive sometimes. Um, I think that's a critical piece, that if you do that as a commander at any echelon that you have that, that is a that is a critical piece to understanding that environment that is is not necessarily invisible anymore, because you can feel the effects, uh, especially as we add more technology, the ability to protect, obviously offensive cyber is something that we look at with authorities that is above, above the brigade, but you have to understand it. This is not something that is branching material. This is something that the Army needs to understand holistically, regardless of branch.
2: Gentlemen, shifting topics a little bit to uh, what's common for all units in the common operational picture of the COP. So that's a core component. I know that's a central theme for the network CFT. Can you kind of give a brief overview of, of what your your strategy is and how you look to improve that as we streamline the process?
1: Well, it's one of those uh, interesting topics because a you know, COP means different things to different people, or as I like to say, they look different to different people. Mm. And so to come down to an actual common COP, uh it, it's and we we're, we're designed to, to get the 80 percent solution uh, i can't define the cop and, and it's good for all COCOMs. i can't define a cop that's good for all joint and, and coalition partners uh, so what we do is we, we try to, to come off the commonality using our cpce tool command post computing environment uh, use some common standards to where i'm not going to reject the messaging from the air force i'm going to integrate it in and take out what i need to put the symbology on my screen so it is a very tough uh, challenge to actually get a cop that is going to be acceptable by all, because I'm sure you've seen several different cop tools uh, from the, the old school uh, ePARs type products, uh, moving on to, you know, what is it, the M- MCS, MCS quote unquote light, uh, moving on to CPOF, and, and then into and now into CPCE. And then we've seen some other spurious products uh, from some other vendors out there that are purchased uh, for COCOM use, uh, deployed use, or I- even for soft use. So, everybody, you know, grows up somewhere and they get very comfortable with something and they have a picture they want to see. Uh, and what we're trying to do is get it under a single pane of glass type construct to where uh, if I'm a, a user of, say, AFATADS, uh, I have a single pane of glass for me, I just click the right overlay. If I happen to be a battle captain, battle major, I click the right overlay for me. And uh, we'd like to give that 80% solution and allow it to be customizable enough to where they can tailor it to their needs.
3: I think a good part about that is, you know, the, the word that Chris didn't say is, is because it's probably a bad word in an in, in a, in a, in Army Futures Command is Convergence. How do we build the Convergence? How do we get systems and systems to, to actually layer so there is that common operating picture? You know, Right now, as I said, we're out at uh, Project Convergence 20. We have the 182 soldier touch touchpoint going on, simultaneously COMX-3 with 18th Airborne Corps Warfighters going on, and they'll build into Warfighter, I think it's 21-1. Um, in October, and, and they're leveraging that CPCE, it, it is still a fight to maintain kind of a, an edge readiness because they just wrote the division staff just rotated out because of the summer the summer PCS and What we're, we're seeing is a lot of retraining going on to get that single plane of gas, to, to build into that. I think Convergence is going to take some time as we look at it because the other part of Chris talked about, each co-com, but, but, but let's be honest, in the Army, all the way down to, to every command level, everybody has the way they like it. And we've got to get away from how you like it, and we've got to get it so it's one system of standardization. And that's the part I kind of go back to. In small wars, you have a habit to, to kind of get away from standardization because you can you can build a personality profile that, that, that suits the commander. In a large-scale combat operations, we need to look at what is the common operating picture. So if 2nd Battalion is lost in combat and I've got to replace 2nd Battalion, they can fall in on what exists. And that's that's a critical piece that we none of us have experienced since korea that we have to fully understand the ability to be analog will never go away i think that's the number one thing that everybody's got to agree to i, I you know you're going to walk in and still have stickies on a map in in, in 2035 because you're going to want it because there's a couple of things that are dependent on convergence and technology and that's power one because you got to power things up two is the ability how do you hide, Chris and I were talking about obfuscation, did I say that right? <laughs> and then how do, you, how do you manage that RF spectrum once you're trying to do it, because a lot of these systems are reliant on that and obviously put something off. So this is going to be, a, this is a tough one to crack. CPC is, is a great start and a good answer, and I think we just got to continue to pursue that convergence piece over time and tie that to the cape sets to see how we take these other systems and build them into a single system, provide that common operating picture.
2: No, I, I think that's that's exactly right. I'm a big fan of project convergence and, and really what you said with system of systems and what that means to me is interoperability and why why now 20 years later are we still putting interoperability after the fact and try and go and recreate the wheel and, and get things to talk the way they should have you know right out of the gate. So, but it doesn't just stop with system of systems. It's also the data piece too and having data lakes. And is Network CFT considering the data set problem? as they tackle these problems?
1: Well, we do have a, a chief data officer and that's uh, Dr. Crow, that's her, her primary uh, focus is to, to look at the best ways that we can uh, store data and, and get the data uh, you know, normalized the best way that we can use it, uh, whether it be structured or unstructured. So that, that is a key piece. Uh, I, I, I think it's gonna be an interesting problem set as we integrate different cloud methodologies into it. I mean, where's my cloud gonna reside? Is it on the enterprise? Is it in a forward uh, base? Is it in my Humvee? Or is it on my soldier? Uh, or is it a combination of all of that? And, and it, that's, a, that's some cost tra- and performance trade-offs right there. Because if I'm going to have an edge computing that can do a lot of number crunching and then pass off the heavy number crunching up to a ne- next echelon, uh, that's going to cost them dollars. And it also has a power requirement and a weight requirement. So that, that soldier is going to be going through a lot of BA, 5590s I'm sure, uh, while, while they're having that thing to crunch the numbers.
3: Yeah, I think the other part, any time you talk data, Tim, you gotta, you got to talk transport, too. If, if, it's, gonna, if it's not going to rely in, in, in the space that you operate in, you've got to move it around, how are you moving it around? And, and that's a critical piece of that data piece that I think Chris just talked is If we have it at Echelon, and we can move it around at Echelon, and even if we, the architecture's opened and or closed, then we can control that open and close mechanism, if you will. That's going to allow us a better opportunity to increase capability at edge. But not just edge, but but also I think back at echelon above brigade, because you know where do those pipes traditionally sit? You know where our echelon made on pipes and bandwidth and all all the things that are traditional. As you move up to the core and to the sea flick and beyond, you've got a lot of compute power. You've got a lot of things that happen there. As you move down, it's not just the transport of data from the baseline or the tactical edge up. Is how and and how do we see that data passage from the tactical edge and up, and how do we see it from the echelonment of command all the way back down. And that's that's one where I think we're really focused right now on tactical edge and back, but we're starting to look harder at the ability from, if you will, core and down, and how we're passing that information. Because I think we've developed some really poor habits uh, through our experiences in the GW.
1: Yeah, and we also have to consider what happens when different nodes that have different functions get disconnected from the network. You know, when we have the degraded comms, unavailable comms, we're getting jammed. And then how, well, how are our systems perform and how are our soldiers perform in those situations. So we don't want them so reliant upon, you know, Jarvis in their head steering the Iron Man suit that they can't perform when he, he you know the phone's hung up. So that, that's a that's a serious consideration.
0: Sir, going off your comment of, of breaking bad habits and, and you know these last two conversations um, have, have been both with cop and data focused a lot on finding ways to standardize the force and and speak a common language and, and be able to interpret the information at different levels of command, um, you know, for, for what makes sense for that user. Um, as, as the network cross-functional team participates in, in developing and, and delivering technologies, what is what is your institutional responsibility uh, to change the culture or the, the documentation or the, um, the rest of that dot mill PF structure for, for what you're trying to implement um, with the Army?
3: Um, change is a strong word for the CFT. I think we're influencers. Um, I, I think we have to look at it. I have one dot uh, mil PF expert. He's actually out here at uh, PC20 with me right now that, that is leveraging that. But we work with both this, you know, the uh, Cyber Center of Excellence. We, we work with the, uh, the G6 of the Army. Um, you know, to be honest, we, we have to work with all the Center of Excellence, to be honest with you, because I'm going to go back, and, I, and, I, and I'm gonna, I'll reiterate this, everything because it's so important. We see it here uh, in configuration management, a standardization of what we're trying to get to. What is the baseline that we see ourselves as we develop this this system of systems as you referred to one and then two is how do we standardize that training and then how do we do it as you said at that dot mil pf how do we how are we capturing this and how are we developing this across the army so there's a fundamental understanding of exactly where we want to be the hard part with technology and i'll go on a little diatribe here of the technology piece is it's always innovative it's always moving forward so you know, the, the, the stickler that we get a lot of times that we're CFT is, you know, if we can't modernize everybody at once, then if, if you're getting an iPhone 7 and it's 2015 and an iPhone 7's an old thing, it's still an iPhone 7 that may be better than the, the, the device that you had earlier. So how do we increase that the capability incrementally but holistically across our army? I, I, I'm saying that on top of that question that you asked because that standardization piece is, as we go to software-defined solutions, the criticality is we've always been hardware-focused. Hardware will still remain an important piece of the pf but it's not the most important piece like it was perhaps in the past with WinT systems and other things. The software-defined solutions and working with industry, as we discussed earlier, are critical. And if I could switch out a data card and save the government from buying a $70,000 radio at 300,000 radios and just do a data card for X amount of dollars, that's a lot simpler or maybe it's devised under the coding that I get, and I have a simple um, upgradable, like your phone does, every quarter, and I do an upgrade to systems of systems across the army, which increases capability and standardization and protect, protection
1: for cyber. Chris? Yeah, the only thing I would add is is that we're, we're trying to make things a lot easier. I mean, we have squad radios that we're looking at that actually have just a knob. You know, that's all they have to worry about, then it has a configuration interface. Uh, and and they're you know they're bigger they're a little bigger than a deck of cards. So we're we're really trying to go after making things a lot more easier for them to operate, uh, and and they're a lot easier for the uh, planners to plan. Uh, and then we're we're trying to remove any kind of complexity we can away from the edge, uh, trying to get a lot of complexity for your your major nodes and bring it back to the regional hub node construct. So that that's that's actually handled by Netcom with by soldiers in, inside the regional hub node doing all the managing of all the uh, the satcom elements, uh, so that the soldier on the ground doesn't have to worry about that. That would lend us to be able to have a little bit more realistic expectation of potentially having a user-owned and operated terminal, uh, rather than the failures in the past that we've had with that that construct with uh, signal nodes.
2: Yes, I'm on this topic.
0: Yeah, I just a cool. comment.
2: Uh,
0: sir, your your comment about about uh, the the evolution of software in this space resonates with me. Uh, we had uh, we interviewed Colonel Colonel Weiser who's the PEO of soft digital applications earlier in this in this podcast or in this season and uh, and he, he said something that that resonated with me it was it was that we are no longer fielding hardware solutions that are software enabled we're focused on software solutions that are hardware enabled which gives us a unique opportunity to modify those solutions since they're software-based and don't have a physical structure as we move forward. So I absolutely agree with that, um, with that analysis.
3: Now, and that's critical. That's one thing that, you know, as, as we talk about this is, you know, I, I say this a lot because, uh, you know, both with the, our ASOL compatriots and, and C3T and, and, and SOLDIER is one of the messages we got to get back to the Hill is that traditional part of going back and buying those hardware solutions that, that a lot of those that sit in Congress and the Senate are used to, there are some changes going on. And that's one thing that, that we, we've got to broadcast in the Army from the tactical level up is that we have an understanding that this is what's really changing. And that message has to get out every time that leaders interact with anybody that's from the Hill.
2: Hey, sir, one thing from the, the transition or the pending transition between unified land operations to multi-domain operations is we have a new set of, of majors and, and lieutenant colonels that are about to become battalion commanders in the maneuver branch. What recommendations do you have to, to that cohort As they prepare in this multi-domain operations battlefield as it relates to comms?
3: I think from the communications perspective is one, do you truly understand it? Do you have you taken the time to sit down and walk through and truly understand it? When you were a three and you were an XO, it was about running the system. And now it's about commanding the system. And that's a little bit different. And then how do you plug into both brigade and beyond? So understanding where they're at. Well, you can desk a lot of guys will come into battalion command and they'll plug in and they'll just focus down and in. And, and, and there's a couple things at the battalion level you have to understand. One is I've got field grades that do down and in. My job is across and up. How do I communicate across the battle space? And how do I communicate up the battle space? What systems are digital? What systems are still voice? How do I want to direct my analog? So I understand I have that systems of systems capability. The other part about systems of capability is how do I do it from a tact perspective how do I do it from a top perspective? And then how do I do it from a, an ability, if I'm airborne or other, to do it from an ACP-type like, or if I'm in the Ranger Regiment, what does that min force look like? And has technology allowed me to do things a little bit differently? And am I willing to take that risk to do it differently, to look at how I can best take a, a learning organizational approach to leveraging the technology I'm given to perhaps challenge some of the doctrine and some of the some of the narratives of traditional operational settings that we see as far as command and control nodes go. And I think we've seen a lot of that. I saw it with 101st rows with them. Um, I think it's uh, Colonel Promotable Cogbill did it with his team. I saw it uh, out at Bragg with Andy Sandlock's team. So there's a lot of good things going on here that folks are leveraging and challenging some of those baseline doctrines. And I think that's a good space for us to be in right now.
2: That's great, sir. And, and for, for let's say, a, a fill grade or, or anybody <laughs> coming from the Ranger Regiment or 82nd is using TAC as well. Uh, for, for those officers or those enlisted that are going to different units that don't have TAC, you get phone calls often and people standing on your desk saying, why don't we have this fielded across the Army?
3: Mm-hmm. It, well, I, I mean, but, but you, know, you, you go back to the sort of our discussion is- you know what's affordable? What's what's the fielding plan? Um, what I talked about being up and out. You need to start to understand that as a as a lieutenant colonel, as a senior major, how is the army? When I left, when you leave your KDE positions. How is the army getting after this problem of technology and management of technology in the fielded force? That that's a that's a critical piece. I think that folks have to sit back. I learned a lot walking into Network CFT. Um, I tell you this. You know, I, I, I as a brigade commander, I spent a lot of my time working with PO soldier because I was pulling a lot of things that uh, the brigade didn't get. that were programs of record because of the R4 gen rotation part. So I spent a lot of time and I remember just asking myself, man, am I, am I, am I an acquisition officer? But my responsibility, the brigade was, Hey, what PORs have been fielded and how do you get it out there? You know, when you, when you, when you leave the Ranger regiment or you leave SOF, and you go back and you have some legacy items, how do you maximize those legacy items? It's one thing to want something that you're not issued. There's other ways maybe to pull in some COTS items to enhance that ability. And we saw with 173rd and 2CR, uh, Pat Ellis did it, and I, and I saw it out with, uh, with uh, Kevin Burgess, is let me leverage some, P- some of the POR stuff I have. Let me see what I can get that are COTS-like systems that I can use the right, the right color of money to enhance my capabilities. That's that creative part. And that's where those field grades really can help their battalion commander understand what's the art of the possible. Over.
0: Sir, you, you mentioned that you learned a lot coming into the deputy director role at the network cross-functional team. Uh, when, when Major Lawrence and I found out that you were the deputy director, we thought that it was, uh, it was, it was interesting that it was an, an infantry um, colonel. Uh, but we, we were also uh, pleasantly surprised uh, I think it, it puts the right emphasis on signal soldiers to know that that is who we, we work to support and, and that you having that sort of seat in the table is, is um, preventing us from just having signal officers or signal soldiers developing signal capabilities for other signal soldiers. Um, could you talk a bit about like, what experience prepared you for that position or like how you fell into that role or, or, or like the genesis of having an infantry officer in that position?
3: um well i know general gallagher and at the time was under secretary mccarthy when they were standing up the cfts one of the things general gallagher was was uh, emphasized was getting an operational perspective on his team um and then when it came up for availability I, i i got a phone call from general gallagher asking me to do it um And at first, I'll be honest, I was in shock, and you know, kind of, what what am I doing? Um, Second of all, was it was in Belvoir, Belvoir. So I, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to kind of the DC region. I I kind of understand this. The Army's getting after this. AFC was still nascent, to be honest with you. In Hawaii, I I just barely had heard of it. Um, So my preparedness was was to be honest was somewhat limited in the sense of what am I getting into with AFC and where where is this going? The best part about that was, um, and and it kind of comes back to, you know, where does your intellectual curiosity sit? Um, And the opportunity to kind of get after this. The other part is we, every one of us, see problems differently. And we all have our biases and we all have our expectations of how things should operate. You know, Chris Westbrook and I sitting in a car and and we're talking about the advances in a car. We all see it differently. Hey, I think this is neat. Well, I think this is better. Um, And, but we find this common, you know, I'll say common data fabric of understanding because it's, it's combo folks. The, the other part kind of goes is none of us majored in infantry or armor in college. Okay, we all have a baseline institutional understanding of an art, an, an art and a science piece. The application of communications architecture is an art and science application. The science of technology, if you will, but the art of its application is where we can kind of come together to get best of breed to understand things or maybe look at things from a different perspective as we apply those uh, key technologies or key ideas to developing the next generation technologies. I think the best part about that I brought was the ability to go back and forth as a as a as a um, as a is in the army as a battalion commander, and then when I left the army and went to the SAT or, uh, SATB or in, in the regiment was um the ability to kind of look at things and kind of go, "Hey, in the STB, I really managed, you know, really cool fro- mini cross-functional teams. I mean, R C R D. they were all these you know, really unique capabilities, and, and, and really trying to match them up with a mission set, as you guys know, that that is ever changing. And I think that that has helped me kind of look at the 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 key people that I work with every day and what they bring from their signal background, because all of them are signal officers, are NCOs, and how I can apply that from an operational perspective to some of the problems. The other thing is that, you know, when you guys say, hey, we looked you up and we found you is we all have a personal network. My personal network is all the brigade commanders and a lot of the S's and O's at division level that are their friends. So how can I leverage, how do I message that, and how do I allow, if you will, some open doors uh, so folks understand this. And then if I can open those doors and we can get in and get, get opportunities to talk about technologies. I, 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 say, I say this every day. I talk to a brigade commander in the field every day. Every single day I talk to one. And it's critical for me because I want to know what they're seeing and what they're fielding. There are haves and have nots, but how do I get the haves to understand what they have and best use it? How do I get the have nots to understand when they're getting it or what's out there cots wise they could leverage to help their formation. So I think that's the best part of kind of that bridging piece that I bring to the CFT. Over.
2: No, that's that's great, sir. And, and well, for the Signal Regiment, we install, operate, maintain signal equipment. Sometimes we, engineer, install, operate, maintain equipment. But in the Ranger Regiment, you talk to Rangers, and they are they are solid. Doesn't matter the branch. They are solid on their comps, and they know how to use comps. So for the future of the Signal Corps, do you still see uh, our branch, and this goes to both of you gentlemen, as an in install, operate, maintain, maintain type capability, or do you see us branching out and, and taking on more roles?
1: I, actually, I think I can address that one. So I think the, the Army as a whole has, has, has finally recognized that uh, we, we can't just train on kit. Anymore, we have to train on concepts and ideas. Uh, We're, in fact, in the warrant officer community. uh, It's post uh, back in March. The uh, you know they hosted a a signal uh, gathering to where they went over critical skills for the signal officer and the signal warrant officers. And it pretty much came down to that we're not teaching the right things uh, because we're not teaching concepts. And so the the fallout from that now is the CIO G6 is leaning forward on trying to find uh, the the best way to educate uh, until Tradoc can catch up. And, and do it the right way. Uh, so we're trying to find some cost-effective measures to train people on, for example, the network engineer, instead of learning about how to configure a Cisco router, now he knows how to code uh, his infrastructure. So we can use software and enable software to find networking and, and have that do the simple task of configuring network interfaces. So, because that, that's the future. That's the way people have, are doing it in commercial worlds now. Uh, Python is a key code that, uh, coding te- tool that people use. Uh, it's used also in sorting through your data and your data fabric, so uh, why, why aren't we learning it now? Because when we start fielding this stuff in 2023, 25, and 27, we need soldiers now that, that, that are trained now so they be ready for that. I mean, you know what it's like when you get a nef and a conventional army unit, half the people that are trained uh, are not there when the equipment arrives, and even less are there when they actually go out to their, their warfighter or their field exercise. So uh, we need to have it trained at in the institutional level and continuous learning model to where you can log in uh, to something a little bit more um, aesthetic, look uh, better aesthetics than Skillport, uh, and is more up-to-date and not have it be managed by an Army organization, potentially be managed by uh, you know, either an industry organization or academic organization.
2: But as kit gets fielded and it's more intuitive and it's basically push button out the box, you know, <coughs> what, what is the changing role of, of the Signal Corps as equipment and as competencies become more simple? And op, simple to operate.
3: Hey Tim, I, I think you and I talked this when I was down at the three uh, seven five Zemlat. I, as Chris eloquently put it, you know, he, he 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 really talked the science. I'll give you the art piece, and, and you're bringing it mm-hmm. up. Is I look at communications as a weapon system. Um, period. Um, an infantryman who was assigned an M4 should shoot it no, you know, no less than every two weeks. I always kind of go back. Oh, how often did you, as a young lieutenant, put your hands on on all your equipment? And how did you treat that weapon system? You know, you understand how it works is one thing, like you just said. But even digital natives, understanding how it works doesn't mean you can use it efficiently and effectively. It's the repetition of getting on it and utilizing it. It's the repetition of discovering what what are the the arts of of putting an ACOG on it or putting a laser on it. What else can I do to enhance this capability that I have? And if we treated that communication system like a weapon system and and we, we, we... we, we created this bigger, you know, within the signal core that, hey, this is a weapon system. And as we look at how we're providing this weapon system, you know, it's, it's funny. We have the ERCA out here that's going to shoot 56 kilometers or some ridiculous amount. And I go, OK, what's the over-horizon pace plan for that? Who's really good at it? Who can do HF? Just because the answer that I'll get from most people is going to be SAT, right? Okay, who can do HF? Who understands how to use a 160? Who understands how to do this? And they're all looking at me in here. They're, these are, you know, the couple guys we have out here, and I'm just looking Because here's the deal, man. I want a pace plan. Write up a pace plan for how you would do this. And I got, I, I got a pop plan. I didn't get a pace plan. It was interesting when I kind of went, well, sir, you got, we can use the LMRs and we can use this, and, we, and, and that's really what we have. And I'm like, okay, man, you just limited yourself. And what can your weapon system do to you? What can you do with your weapon system and enhance other weapon systems? And the key thread or the backbone of our army is going to be the communications core and what we can do with our technological enterprise as we move forward.
0: Sir, uh, wrap, wrapping up here, uh, you know, just would, would love to get some some perspective for the, the young officers that may be listening. Um, how, how should they or I guess what do you look for in, in signal officers and uh, what have you seen successful signal officers that work for you um, do to, to be successful?
3: Okay, that, it, it, that's, a, that's an easy one for me, is one, be a good soldier, period. You don't you don't have to be great at, at, at being a tech guy, you don't have to be great at, at anything but be a good soldier. Two is everybody has nerd in them, I don't care who you are, and I say that lovingly, okay? Um, everybody has some nerd in them. And, the ability to have a discussion like I'm having with you guys, you know, I, I do. I have this every day with my infantry counterparts. I'll be honest, I don't. Okay, um, I can sit down with Chris Westbrook and I can learn a lot. Everybody has something to offer. Um, as we enhance our cap- our capability to communicate, do you truly understand those systems? The second part of that is what I see with a lot of signal guys is they get beat up a lot by brigade commanders, battalion commanders. I'm sure that you guys have have taken some 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 nice. Uh, some, some, some walks with your commanders and, and kind of go, hey, come this stuff isn't working, is, is one is um, have patience. If you have patience and understanding is, I've watched people work and, and figure the problem sets out. Um, configuration management is an art and a science that, that I'm, I've watched some of the best warrants I've been around really try to work through some hard problem sets. And the ability for you to check on them every hour doesn't make it happen faster. So that patience, both of the application of that art and science, but also of the commander, is critical. Third thing is empower your people. You know, are you someone that says it, or you are someone that does it? And, and there's a lot of there's a lot of over the shoulder checks that I that I see, and a lot of a lot of leaders do. And it, it doesn't it's branch immaterial. But do you truly empower When you walk in as a sixth, do you own that system? Do you have the respect of the three? Are you united as an effort with the XO in synchronizing? And you understand when you're the priority of effort and when you're a training aid. Because I don't care what rank you are in our army. I don't care what MOS you are. We all are training aids at one point, regardless of rank. A corps is a training aid sometimes. A division is a training aid sometimes. Okay? We are all part of, of making the system of systems better. The other thing is, remember, that is, is as we add technology, Sometimes simple is good. Hmm. We can overcomplicate things uh, all by themselves. So, what do you need? What do you need to have? And as I build that pace plan, or I build, and I hate the terms upper and lower TI, as I build depth in communications, what do you need to function? And then, how can I best provide the tactical edge and efficient pace capability as we look at how we arm our force? in a key weapon system of communications and technology on the battlefield.
0: Chief, do you want to offer? Do you want to offer uh, the same? I guess to the the same question uh, to the, to the warrants out there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Oh goodness gracious! Yeah. yeah. So the best thing <laughs> a warrant could do is is, pre- is be there for the NCOs and, and the and the signal officer. I tell you, uh, there, there's been many times where uh, there's a lot of times I I, I could have gone to sleep. How I made sure my NCOs were were set up for success, uh, and and I and I, I got that really late in the deployment. But I tell you, by the end of the deployment, they were able to manage net ops. They were able to train soldiers because they are the primary trainers of soldiers. Uh, and even and I'm the enabler for that training. I provide the uh, you know the, the the call home, the um, you know the lifelines uh, for the NCOs. Uh, but the trick is is to, to be a proper manager. Sometimes you got to let people do their jobs, uh, and, you, and you can't just sit there and be the one doing all the jobs. Because uh, we we are right now, we're we're management technicians, uh, we're systems technicians, uh, and our NCOs are are the experts in ta- te- te- excuse me, technical and tactical experts, uh, and that's even in their creed. So if we don't enable them to do that, we we we, we, we cut their legs out from underneath them. We're we're failing them. Uh, the SIGMA officers need to understand what resources that, uh, that 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 they have available to them and what resources we need to to assist them to accomplish their mission. So if they want you to to put in a link between. Uh, point A and point B and you gotta tell them what are the constraints are when do you need it uh, uh, what resources do I have available and then the best thing to do at that point is also ask do I have extra time to plan? Because that way you can actually lay it out for them uh, better options or or, or or let them know the true constraints of it. So on doing that, that mission analysis, having the time to do a mission analysis is is critical. Smart books. Maintain a smart book. If you if you crack the code on a problem you need to log it. And then you need to to pass it out because other people are experiencing the same problem, too. So that's the key thing about warrant officers is we're taught in school, a warrant officer never lets another warrant officer fail. Uh, And I'd say just feed the beast. Just keep giving it out there. Uh, We used to have several knowledge systems out there, uh, you know, uh, list servers and such. They have since been removed, but that was what we used to do is push information out. Uh, We do have a mill suite site for signal signal and cyber warrant officers and i encourage anybody to go out there and seek it and then start you know pinging everybody out there when you have a problem or offer up solutions
2: chief no, that that's great and i would we had cw3 josh heinrich who just left the ranger regiment after 20 years and he had a wiki page that he put everything in and i think if you stacked it up like the encyclopedia britannica it'd be about 26 volumes deep so completely agree with your point on that and and really it's it's a i'm going to ask both you gentlemen, about the 26 Alpha and the 26 Bravo, specifically about the Bravo, because I think we all get on the 26 Alpha, the network engineer side, I think that's pretty clear cut. How And, and I'm the 25 Alpha asking about the 26 Alpha and Bravo, where James, who's the 26 Alpha, asked about the 25 series. So same question, how do we get the most, and how do we most effectively employ both of those MOSs? Uh, that's, a, that's a tough
3: one. It, um, it's interesting, because I just, I just did a 25 Bravo's OER, um, this week. And it was interesting because I, you know, part of our discussion was the advanced schooling piece because I look at the 25 Bravos and I go, how do I message to our army the criticality of what you do in um, undefined space? And that's really where the 25 Bravos operate right now. I think we're starting to, to get it. And, and
2: sir, just to um, clarify that, that you're 20, 26, 26 Bravo, correct?
3: Okay, 26 problems. Okay. Yeah, see, I'm still I'm still an entry guy. I'm untrainable, <laughs> I guess, in some cases. Um, but those 26 Ps is, is is that's undefined space. So one of the things I sat down with, I go, okay, how do you want me to tell the board? How does a board look at this? And we actually, I walked back and through, you'd appreciate this, Tim, back and forth on him. is, hey, we need to tell the board what you can do and where your sp- specialty's at. Because... Most folks that will sit your board, you'll have one signal officer who may or may not know exactly what you do, who may be tactical or may be an operational guy or maybe you know, kind of a, a TDA person. I said, how do we tell a board what you are and what you do? And it was back and forth. And it was interesting because he finally came out and goes, you know, sir, after thinking about this, having a discussion about you, I need more advanced skilling. Because I am going to get after what AFC is doing with the with – what's the new program? The Tactical Cloud Pilot. Not the Tactical Cloud Pilot. The, the um, Software Factory. Software Factory. So he's, he, he is going to apply to go to Carnegie Mellon. I think, James, you did that. He's kind of like, you know, so I really think that that, that is really where I need to be. Because I look at the the future. And the, in the next three or four or five years, and we saw this working with the West Point is, hey, the, the data scientist role. But even the code writer role. Other things that I could get – experience on to kind of bring back to the Army that is space that is really not understood right now by the traditional Army leadership is going to be better understood, I think, and more rapidly understood over the next 24 months, because I think we're seeing the criticality of that importance, and I'm seeing it both from the interaction with senior leaders in industry. I'm seeing it with the interaction with senior leaders and academia and I'm seeing it from a need from the force in articulating the wants and needs of what they have and don't have in these critical MOS's.
1: Chris. Well, I would say that it goes back to, you know, if you, if you take a look at it, the army is really good at training soldier skills, but you know, even with medac and dentac, they, they do not uh, train uh, medical people how to be doctors or surgeons uh, that that's learned out, out in the wild. And, and that, and some specializations need to remain that way the, the 26 alpha and Bravo uh, I, I tell you, what, what our 25 series needs to do with them is enable them to do their job. Uh, they need to empower them to do their job. They're very powerful uh, enablers to the force, uh, especially when it comes to planning. Uh, they're also good at looking at the health and wealth, welfare of your network and your systems and your services. Uh, and their continuous process improvement is definitely what you need to be going after with the expertise that those officers have. Uh, I've always leaned on my, my 26, well, 24 back in the day, but my 26 alphas uh, to double-check my work. I mean, I, I couldn't let pride get the best of me. Uh, I had to say, sir, what, when, you're, when you're, you're, you're scanning the network tonight, I need you to, to do this, that and the other uh, to make sure that things were done right uh, by my team. So yeah, it's just about uh, enabling them to do their job. It's not well defined exactly what they do. Some places they are. Some mentos, you have a security section with the 26 Bravo who's in charge of security. Uh, which is kind of interesting, but it, it security is ran on systems and services. So there, there's reasons for that. But other ones are not so well defined. If you have one in a brigade, for example, uh, are they a, an assistant S6 or, or, or are they not? So what? what is the true reason for them to be there? We have to define that and so they, they know their role. And then we do need to use uh, the, the civil schooling as an enabler because we're not going to, we just don't have the speed in our curriculum building in order to, to maintain uh, with, with what they have out there in academia.
2: And, gentlemen, you, are there any questions that, that you think uh, that we haven't asked that, that you'd like to answer or that you'd like to point out in this podcast?
3: No, I, I think that the biggest thing that we're going to see is, um, you know, it, especially talking to guys in the seventh Ranger Regiment, there's capabilities that are always going to exist in SOF. There's, there's capabilities that they are going to exist in kind of our small unit formations even and some of our specialized units. It, it kind of comes back down as, you know, I, I, the science of those capabilities uh, and tied to the art of the ability to take legacy, fo- legacy systems and make them communicate uh, at, at a time of crisis. You know, that's the person that I need around me. That's the uh, S6 that I need looking at me going, hey, so we have this and here's what I can do for you. Uh, that ability to do that as we, as we transition our army um, to more technology is going to be a critical component of future war. Uh, because the legacy systems are going to be in the army to 2035, um, and as I say that, you know, everybody's looking at it going, you, you guys will not have the same iPhone that we're talking on in 2035. But, but but some of the Singars, some of the some of the systems are going to be within our army. Is there an, an ability to get? Uh, to leverage our technology to get best capability out of those in the future. Because sometimes technology can broaden things that are historic or legacy items and make them a little bit better. So you never know what you can fully get. Um, so I, I always talk to people about They always think the opportunities is the newness of things. I go, no, there's opportunity in both. And we can't forget that.
2: Final question for, for Chris Westbrook. So you're a CW5, so we don't have any positions in the Ranger Regiment for you however i believe ranger school is still a viable option are you ready to go to Ranger school yes or no
1: well let's see if i can delete about 12 (laughs) years off of my body i probably could i mean uh, yeah i've I've actually reached a critical point in my life when i was like do i go to jump school now or not because i never completed it so uh and then i was went out on a six mile run came back and i was like you know what i don't i don't think i think it's time to to hang up that hat and just drive forward best I can in the army with the body I have now. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, Fantastic.
3: With Chris, it's about mind maintenance and, and the body maintenance comes in, and he does a good job of of, of, of presence in the sense of, of, of who he is and his intellectual being. And um, uh, I will tell you right now that the best thing that I've got at Chris Westbrook and our partnership and in others that I've been the CFT is, is is kind of the mutual understanding of where we've all been in our careers and how we can take that intellectual capability, tie it together to find the right solutions as we try to navigate uh, adding technology to our army, but adding the right technology to our army at the right time. And some of that's a discipline to say no. Um, and, or go to senior leaders and tell them no. Um, yes, it's shiny, yes, it's bright, yes, it has a capability, but be it's unaffordable or it's unsustainable. And that's a critical piece as we move forward that we're going to have to have the moral courage to do.
2: Yes, sir. and. and- for you and, and Chris Westbrook and General Gallagher and the entire Network CFT team, uh, really, we thank you for what you're doing. We we know you're pushing the envelope. You're advancing the cause. You're making it exciting across the entire Army. So really want to thank you for being on the podcast, and, and thank you for all the, the insight in, in the future and what we look for on the battlefield and how we can be better signal officers and enlisted and, and warrant officers. So on behalf of both James and myself, just want to say thank you for being on the podcast.
3: All right. Thanks, guys. Have a, have a great day, great weekend, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you and talking to you soon.
2: Absolutely. Thanks, sir. Thank you, sir.
3: Thanks, guys.
0: This recording and any information or material placed on this podcast, including advice and opinions, are the views and responsibilities of those making the comments and do not represent the views of the Department of Defense, the United States government, or its third-party service providers. Thank you.